back for another Assault on Your Ears from Lower Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. As one season fades into the past and another lies somewhere in the murky future. We take a moment to wax nostalgic about season three. But before we lose ourselves in sweet memories, let's lose ourselves in our cups. And tell me, Stavros, what are we swimming in tonight? Are you literally swimming in yours? That's a... Uh... You probably smell pretty good, actually, because they're drinking root beer whiskey. Figuratively. Figuratively. I don't know. I think you get a little (laughs) sticky. A little sticky. Oh, yeah. But no, root beer whiskey is what we're drinking. It was very hard to find, actually. When you suggested this, I had a hard time finding root beer whiskey, but I did. I'm drinking Ellington Reserve brand. It has a maple leaf on it and everything. It's very Canadian, I guess. I don't know why, but I guess it is. Uh, What brand are you drinking there? So I've got uh, my old go-to of Root Out, and you're correct. It is very hard to find. Frequently, I just, it's not in stock, which is why, you know, I don't uh, talk about it often. But, since I was able to find it, I forced you to do the gumshoe work so we could enjoy a glass together. Yes. I'm actually enjoying it. Um, it's It smells much of root beer, which I'm in, enjoying. Um, tasting it doesn't taste bad. Mine is very licorice even. Yeah. Which uh, you mentioned is kind of a, a component of some root beers. Yeah, modern root beers tend to use uh, licorice. The big problem I have with uh, Root Out, which I, as I mentioned I've really liked, is the vanilla flavor isn't quite strong enough. And for mm. me, the best root beers have the strong vanilla flavor. Yeah. But yeah, no, root beer whiskey. We're, we're getting, uh, we're really uh, going, going down the flavored whiskey road again, apparently. Hey, you know what? <laughs> uh, when, when it's good, it's good. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. You're not, you're not wrong. Uh, but yeah, but you know what? We need to talk about season three. You know, it's been a while since season three aired, so we've had some time to do some retrospection, and there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to season three, so let's pop right in. Yeah, what are we starting with here, Stavs? What, what do we got? I want to talk about the main cast, the Warp Core 4. Warp Core 4. Soon yeah. to be the Warp Core 5, apparently. <laughs> apparently, yeah, we'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, let's talk about how much each of the main cast gets in terms of character development, or lack thereof. Yeah, I think we're going to have strong disagreements on this topic. Yeah, I think so. It'll be interesting to talk about. Uh, but let's start with the uh, Mariner, with the, the lead woman there. You know, she's in this season, you know, it starts off as a, you know, she's kind of gotten in trouble with her mom and, you know, she needs to get uh, rehabilitated under your boy Ransom. Yeah. And you know what? For the first half or more of the season, she actually goes through this pretty nice redemptive arc. I mean, she even talks about it as, you know, Ransom's, like, getting a better opinion of her and things like that. Yeah. I don't know. What do you th- what do you think of Mariner's journey? I mean, of course, there's a whole thing at the end. That's a whole other thing we're going to have to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we'll, but... we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. But I think that works for, like, the uh, series as a whole, that her ending moment. But, you know, I don't know. I just, it's good, solid character growth. I don't really need it in this series, but... At least yeah. it's not like out of left field, and I always love uh, Mariner and Ransom's dynamic. And one of the things we don't get to see for Ransom too often, or actually even in Star Trek as a whole, is the leaders being like leaders, doing leadership things, being a mentor. Right. Like the only time you ever really see that is in like one offs where that's what the episode is about. And I actually really like that in this ep- in this season is her interactions with Ransom and his trying to mold her into being something better. I thought it was a really great story arc. Yeah, I totally enjoyed it as well. Um, I think Mariner of the Warp Core 4 probably has the most slash best character development here, where she's actually kind of getting 
redeemed. But then, of course, it all goes to shit <laughs> as soon as, you know, her mom gets her into trouble with the with the reporter. You know, on the one hand, that whole thing is, you know, looks bad for the crew. Like, nobody actually yeah. figures out what she did. Right. They just assume she did something terrible because, you know, she's always up to something in the past. But right. she also did deliberately disobey her captains and her mother's orders she kind of like betrayed the crew by even though she stuck up for them disregarding what she was supposed to be doing which is very much the old mariner rearing its ugly head and she was on double secret probation so it's not that far (laughs) out of the field she's a little too chaotic good there she's she's trying to do the right thing even if it means disobeying orders you're right it's not I mean, Old Mariner was kind of more neutral, but she's kind of getting onto the, you know, she feels like she's doing the right thing. Yeah. And of course she is, you know, she's the one that has the best thing to say, but she's not afraid to break rules yep. to do it, and that gets her into trouble. And you know what? If it had been like that happens, and it's, you know, lampshaded, never comes up again, and it's just, that's the <laughs> end of the episode, ooh, you're in trouble, Mariner. But right. they actually use that moment to tell another good story of her you know, inability to trust people and her, you know, realizing that that's what she likes about Starfleet is being a part of something bigger than herself. That was all really good storytelling. Like, if it had been a mainline Star Trek show and not, you know, the comedic animated series, I think it would have been a really solid arc on its own. But it's still good here. Yeah, honestly, this is one of those ways where even though it's the animated comedy, it really... You know, some this aspect of it really shines through as being a really positive, fun aspect. And you know, to be honest, even though she is kicked off the ship in one and a half episodes, I mean, it. You know, much like a lot, a lot of those kinds of plots in the show, she gets redeemed from that almost immediately. And overall, the whole arc of her, you know, getting back into ransom and her mom's good graces, yeah. with the one minor exception of the one time getting kicked off the ship. <laughs> if that's like a minor exception, you know, doesn't really tarnish that. Yeah. That whole arc is pretty good, and, you know, they do play it for laughs with the whole, yeah, they're getting funded by Jean-Luc Picard, there's nothing shady <laughs> going on here. Right. Fantastic resolution to that conflict. Uh, but let's move on to Boimler, um, and you know what? This I'm is, this a is we're, we're going to have yeah. a strong disagreement here. Oh, interesting. I'm yeah. curious to see what you have to say. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little bit upset about uh, Boimler's progression or lack thereof in this season. I believe um, you used the word regression previously. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a regression. Yeah, I, I think so. Because in season two, you know, he's fresh from coming back from the Titan and he's kind of a badass. He was never a badass. What are you talking <laughs> Whoa, about? Slow down there. I don't yeah. know. He, he kicks the Borg's ass. He's in that survival episode where he knows exactly what he's doing, even though he's... You know, he doesn't kick he... the Borg's ass. He <laughs> plays a game over and over and over again <laughs> till he can speed run it. That is not kicking the Borg's ass. He kicks ass That is something a 12-year-old does. That is not good character progression. <laughs> Look, regardless, he's not incompetent at everything, all right? But he's you not know, incompetent at everything in this season. But still, like, he, he goes from that, you know, I just came from the Titan, I know how to handle the Borg, okay, it's in the simulation, but he still does a good job. A lot of other areas where he's kind of kicking butt, and now he's gotten to this bold Boimler trope. You know, the thing is, though, that, that bold Boimler trope, it's, it's great, because... <laughs> it is Boimler being Boimler, right? Yeah. 
they, you know, the approach of this story is that Boimler doesn't like go out of his way to take chances. He doesn't right. do anything outside of his comfort zone. He mm-hmm. is just, I'm going to do the Starfleet thing, the Starfleet way. Right. And sure. everyone's pointing out to him, like, you know, no, maybe do things that you're not used to, you know? Right. Go uh, play spring ball and join a choir and, you know, do things yeah. that... And Boimler, in his mind, responds to Tendy's advice with, you know, you're right, I'm going to do... I'm going to say yes to everything from now on. And Tendy's response right. is like, no, 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 you're still being Boimler. This is a plan for you. You're still, you know, too much in your head, right? Yeah. You No plans, just look at everything that's presented to you and make decisions based on the moment. You know, sure. don't have some overriding book that you go by. And I think that's the big story arc for mm-hmm. Boimler in this season is that he is learning to not always go by the book. Even when he has the say yes moment... He writes a new book that says, always say yes, which I guess he doesn't have to write. That book (laughs) exists. But (laughs) by the end, Shaxx's big moment where Boimler has, you know, he's been, you know, ridiculous kooky and he's upset Shaxx. And then later he's like listening to the bridge crew. And based on what they're saying, he doesn't make a decision based on the book. He makes a decision based on what's right in the moment, which in that moment, A, Shaxx needs support. B, Bormler is hurt, Shax. They're in an unusual circumstance, fighting against Starfleet and what Starfleet has decided. So he goes off script and he says, eject the warp core. It's a great (laughs) character build-up moment. It's a great, like, conclusion to his arc in the season. Even though there's not a lot of growth there, I think that it's a great character arc for the season. It's just a lot subtler than the other characters. Yeah. You know, listening to you, I think I, I sort of agree. So maybe regression isn't the right word, but it definitely feels like a, some kind of course correction. Because in season two, there are there's enough examples of him being kind of a badass. And now he's kind of back to being like the butt of the joke, like the, I don't know what you call it, when they're doing the outro of the show and it's like the fade to the exterior shot. And it's like, Boimler, he's he's not a little robot or whatever he was. In the, <laughs> you know what, in F that, that was mind. such a great scene, right? <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with Boimler being the butt of jokes, right? I mean, and I don't think he ever stopped doing that. But you are right. He has his badass moments, like where pleasant fountains lie. The one with the evil AI. I believe that's the right Right. episode, right? I think so. He he tricks uh, Agamus into setting up the ship uh, for them, right? right? And doing what they need without it taking control. Right. Yeah, he has those moments, and I think he has those moments this season, too, right? I don't think there's really a regression. Maybe they just brought back the goofball part a little bit more. I don't know. I'd still go with the course correction. I I would need, like, a statistical analysis on badass versus goofball (laughs) moments. Um, Let's let's hire an analyst, lock him in a room We'll we'll make a a whole episode about this. And, you know... (laughs) You know, yeah, that would be a great episode. Badass versus goofball <laughs> tally. We're gonna lose all of our six listeners if we do. You that, know what? Right? Whatever, dude. They'll love it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of 
I, I, you swayed me a bit, but I do think it's a, it is a little bit more goofball boy Miller in this season. So not a lot of progression there. I, as far as like viewing it as like changes to the character, I'm not sure he gets a lot more out of this season. He's just, there was more of a transition towards that last season. And now he's kind of back to being, you know, yeah, I don't know. He, I don't he's, think he's got the bold boy Miller, but he doesn't really get anything out of it. I don't think it's regression. And I think, like character progression is overrated. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm gonna have a million, you know, high school English <laughs> teachers jumping down my throat. But sometimes a character—if you had a million high school English teachers watching this show—I think we'd be all right. <laughs> I could quit my day job. Uh, <laughs> show, show no, I had more to say. I was saying something. <laughs> all right, character progression is overrated. Yeah, it's okay for a character to just be that character to be a rock you know mm. um and you know they exist in moments i mean that's how like real people are for much of their lives you know yeah, yeah sometimes sure. we have these big life-altering events but like sometimes i mean for long stretches you can just be who you are and there's nothing wrong with that you know sometimes it's more story driven than character driven yeah <laughs> but Oh man, I don't even know where I was going with this. I need to, <laughs> I need to slow it down. I think here. you're mesmerized. Jesus. You're mesmerized by the root beer boiler. Well, the root bold beer root beer boiler. <laughs> <laughs> if season four is root beer boiler, I'm on board for this. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we got uh, two other characters talk to, to talk else. about. Yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. what are we talking about now? Let's talk about Rutherford. Oh boy, um, yeah. I think you know we get the whole. You know, reveal the plot around uh, Rutherford and the reveal about why he got his implants. I love those episodes. I thought they were great. I still Rutherford's still my boy. I still love him the most. And I love those episodes. But we don't get, as far as character progression goes, um, there's not a lot of change there. <laughs> I think they, they literally, like, remember, remember that episode where they're like, oh, man, what do I do? I, like, you know, integrate my personality to yours. And, he, and he's like, no. I'm like, okay, well, nothing has changed in that case. You know what, though? And that's <laughs> okay. Like, of the Warp Core 4, Rutherford is always the most, like, knows who he is and knows what he wants to be. Yeah, like, you're right. He's not, he's not climbing a ladder. He's not, you know, struggling with, <laughs> you know, I want to be in Starfleet, but I want to do things my own way. And he's not, right. you know, desperately trying to achieve. He just wants to be in the tubes, man. Yeah, that's right. I And you know what? I think that... His arc, he doesn't really have an arc in this this season, right? No. He just, he's Rutherford. But his yeah. big character moment, oh man, this is going to tie into what I was trying to say earlier before I forgot what <laughs> I was trying to say. Oh, good. Star Trek has a bad habit of having major life-changing events happen to characters and then never get Best mentioned position. again. It's just uh, like, yeah. I lived an entire life in a day. I watched <laughs> all my loved ones die and I watched my world turn to dust and now I'm going to go back to being a captain because, you know, none of that really happened. Like, Not nah, enough. man. Like, mm-hmm. and I really like the fact that Rutherford has that moment, but in the end, he doesn't walk away with, like, trauma that he needs to deal with, right? He walks away with a stronger sense of self. This is who I am yeah. because this is who I choose to be. Even when yeah. he learned that he used to be somebody else, even when he learned that he had lost so much of himself. Yeah. His self, that other part He's of confident. himself, decided yeah. 
he wanted to be who he was now as opposed to in the past. And that's just that's good storytelling, man. <laughs> well, look at you. I was being all sad because my boy didn't get any progression, but here you are, like, turning my opinion around. Wow. I know. I should teach high school English. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. You're totally right. I completely agree. Wait, and the and the, that, I should you know, the, teach high school English? Well, or in that Rutherford had a great story moment? You know what? Why not both? Why not both? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I agree about your point about Rutherford. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he gets his personal episodes. Um, not a lot of other episodes that show his arc. I mean, there's no arc here, like you said. But Rutherford's consistent. And you know what? Nothing's wrong with that. Yeah, no. He had great stories, and they didn't change him. They just reinforced who he was, and there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Not at all. Uh, but let's go to Tendi. Oh, yeah. She actually is, Has I think she actually gets a lot more. This season. Yeah. yeah. She gets, uh, she's getting her senior science officer training during this season, despite the fact that our counselor is nigh and effective. Bigly mode, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, there, there are better mentors that, that are on the ship, you know. Just you know, I love Migley Mo. He's just so entertaining. <laughs> I mean, he's he's terrible at everything. He's a terrible counselor. Yeah. He's a terrible yeah. character. Terrible, terrible captain. person. He has to captain the ship. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know what? I would do the same thing if I became captain. <laughs> you can call thing. your mom. I'm calling my mom. Mom! I'm in the captain's <laughs> chair. It's finally oh, happening. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> That's not true. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But I think between Tendi and Mariner, they have the most obvious arcs and character involvement there. So Yeah, definitely. I loved seeing it. And you know what? In, in Tendi's wasn't even really an arc, right? Actually, it's interesting, though. I just realized Tendi and Rutherford, their character moments are very, very, very similar, right? And you know what? Hmm. So is Mariner's. Like, There's like a theme to these people's uh, season in that Tendi comes to embrace her orion heritage when she meets an orion poser right mariner you know embraces her love for starfleet because of what starfleet is which she's right. never really addressed in the past on why she likes starfleet uh rutherford mm-hmm. like embraces who he is as like because he is who he wants to be and mm-hmm. i think wow that really there was an overarching theme to this season i didn't even realize <laughs> until just now I think we've seen that previously in the show, too. There's a lot of, like, you know, be be who you are, right? Don't try and be something else. Yeah. And I love that about this show, to be honest. It's good. It's a good theme. As far as themes go, it's a good one. Yep. Do you want to say anything about Tendi's arc? I feel like you had something more here. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just want to say, like, I mean, she doesn't, she, she's getting the training. Oh. Um, so I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of. She doesn't get there, but she's in. Well, I mean, a big element is she admits she wants to be captain one day. Oh yes, and you know what? I think uh, right. I think the internet's gonna love that because there's a yeah. real, uh, real hard on for Captain Tendy out there for some reason. <laughs> I thought there were hard ons for other reasons for the oh, small towns. Yeah, but, the uh, yeah, internet gets a little that creepy too. sometimes. <laughs> little creepy guys. Yeah, but you know, you're you're absolutely right. I forgot about that. She she straight up says she wants to be captain. Big character moment for her. It's showing where she wants to go. Um, and while we don't see her get anywhere necessarily, she's just in training. But the fact that we see that she's going in that direction and that's what she wants and she admits it to herself. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the first step is realizing yeah. what you want to be. Yeah, that's right. We're waxing awfully uh, poetic here. 
getting, getting a little too deep. Something about the my, root beer is really for my yeah, animated comedy show. <laughs> what are you talking about? This show isn't serious. Come on. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> let's uh, let's switch gears though. Um, I want to talk more about the episodes in this season. And how we're getting this kind of mix of arcs. I don't really want to talk episodes. about the episodes. I, I feel no, like they're just all. not important to the season as a whole. Yeah. 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 There's just, only 10 of them. Yeah. Like, like, let's I feel like the season was fine without any episodes. It just stand. <laughs> it's just has zero seasons. Zero, zero episodes. <laughs> Oh God, Jesus! What we're am I we're doing out of here? control right yeah. now. Yeah. All right. Yes, we're going <laughs> to talk about the episodes. The episodes themselves. What are we talking yes. about the episodes for? First, I want to talk about how there uh, we got one arc. The rest is complete one-offs, and it's again like we we just talked in a recent episode of our show about how you know certain series are more arc focused and some are more one-offs. And Lower Deck season three is absolutely more of a one-off show with the exception of the texas class plot but that yeah. i think that was the exception not the rule yeah you know it definitely was a lot of one-offs hopefully there's some that seemed like they might be setting up something in the future and hopefully that happens but you know what there's there's also two types of arcs you know there's the character arcs and then the actual story arcs and right the story arc obviously for this season is the texas class reveal your, your you know, good friend, Admiral Goodfriend. Admiral, Admiral Goodfriend. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, oh. <laughs> but you know what? All, all of the episodes, like, I really do want to know, though. Because you had, like, the the post, or the, the final scene of Mathematically Perfect Redemption, where right. they continue to build on the evil AI front. You mm-hmm. had the final season of Crisis Point 2, where they con- continued... Dupla Boimler's story arc. Right. Are there any other like long con stories where we're not sure if it's going to be built upon again or whether they're going to just forget about it? Hmm. I don't think so. Other than the character stuff we've already covered. Yeah. But like, you know, all of the episodes like least dangerous game um, was all about, you know, Mariner and learning to trust her superiors and being more by the book. You had mining the minds minds, which was all about Tendi and her, you know, learning to be a science officer. Hmm. Right. You know, room for growth. Man, that may be just like the most one-off because that is like a arc moment for Captain Freeman. Like, I don't think it really... Are there any big moments for any of the other characters in that episode? You know, I don't think so. Not really. Man, now I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Rewatch this this series again? Yeah. That's madness. I mean, it's not like I wasn't going to do that anyways. <laughs> but yeah, like all of the episodes have some sort of tie-in to something bigger. Except, yeah. I think that one episode. Regardless, they, I mean, anything in there is subtle. I mean, there's a lot of subtle setup for the Texas class last couple episodes throughout the show. Yeah. But, I mean, by and large, they still just kind of get away with being... Uh, one-off episodes instead of you know obvious arcs yeah i don't know why i'm stuck on this episode now <laughs> you know what we're just gonna have to rewatch it right now yeah that's just, there's just no way around it <laughs> okay moving on to the next thing <laughs> there are a tons of ships in this season and i think we're gonna have to bring back 
our ship episode to really talk about all the details there. Hell yeah. But dear yes. God, there are so many. Do you have a, do you have an obvious favorite ship that jumps out at you that was introduced in this uh You know, I know it's going to sound funny, but my favorite ship is from Crisis Point. The freighter that they <laughs> use to go find Kitty. Oh yeah. Like, I don't yeah, know why I really like that. I really wish it had more, like, clearly, oh, these are nacelles on it. But other than that, yeah. I mean, overall, I like it. But, I mean, God, you know, all of the ships this season were good. We see some yeah. returns of, like, old background ships, like the Andorian vessel. You see, of course, obviously, the Texas class is the new hotness. Yeah. But I don't even know where to begin. There are so many. There is um, so much, yeah. We've got the shuttle pod from early next gen. Yeah, you know, you've got um, all the California classes. Yeah, I can't remember what scene it is, but it's in the first episode where they have all the different uh, shuttles. God, where were they when they went through the shuttles? Uh, it has one of my favorite ships from the series. Uh, well, not the series; it's from the movies, the Phoenix. Oh yeah, of course. I, just, I love the design on that. Yeah, they got the little nacelles that pop out of there. Yeah, which is very cool. And it's one of those where it's like designed with purpose, right? It's supposed to be a missile yeah. that they launch into space. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about it is that, like, it, I feel like it should have been like a two-stage booster because, like, oh. it just the sheer volume of weight it had to be carrying. Mm, yeah. But then, like, the capsule, I really like the design of the capsule, and it's very, very clearly something that was added on. And I don't know, just overall, the design of it felt very, like, purpose driven which right. i thought was pretty pretty solid yeah. oh man sorry i'm getting off topic here no you know what we're talking about ships and that's even... you know what, what ships surprised me the most and uh, you know, i'm gonna have to save the rest for our ships episode but the therapy ship from room for growth <laughs> like very intricate ship design and it's just used as a location for all the therapy therapy to happen could have easily been a planet-based location yeah. The very <laughs> intricately designed ship. You know, you know I think, though, that was it. supposed to be a callback to the uh, ship that took them to the uh, medical planet when Boimler was out of phase uh-huh. with reality. Yeah, another ship uh, captained it, by uh, Captain, whatever that race is called. Yeah, whatever the race is called that doesn't yeah. speak properly. They're supposed <laughs> right. to speak like mm, this, Captain. Yes. Mm, yes. yes. My name is uh, Eric. This is how I talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, save the rest for... Uh, but they're just... Yes, nice yeah, to say that yeah, there are tons of ships in this episode. Come back and listen to our ships episode, people. You'll yeah, love it. Yeah. Not as much as mm-hmm. I, but you'll love it. Yeah, I think so. Wait, not as much as I? Not as much as me? One I love that episode. I love Grammar. our ship episodes. You will not love them as much as I love them. There you go. Yeah, you, I see, probably I shouldn't be a high school English, English, English teacher. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Ooh, I'm getting upgraded like, now. Oh, I'm a professor. <laughs> you, you're one of those teachers that calls themselves a professor in high school, and it's yeah. just a little awkward. Oh, those weirdos! Like yeah, that. yeah. Oh boy. So what's next on the agenda? I want to talk about uh, mathematically perfect redemption and the qualities <sighs> do we, therein. Do we have to? I think we do because this is an episode that is clearly different from everything else in the season. Was it good? Did you like it? You know what? I'm I'm gonna throw it. Uh, it's 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 somewhere in the middle. You know, it's not great, but it's not okay. terrible. Right. The basic story arc of you know, hey, here's some bird people who used to be space travelers but chose a more primitive way of life. The right. fact that Peanut Hamper is not redeemed and actually betrays everyone is hilarious. <laughs> 
how the whole story flow goes is good. Um, the subversion of Peanut Hamper falling in love with a bird person, but in reality, she's just scamming them. It's just, it's, it's well put together. And there's no, yeah. like, it's a mathematically perfect redemption, but there's no redemption ever, right? Like, in a right. mainline episode, That's like, the, the final scene would have been, like, right. Peanut Hamper lamenting the loss of her loved alien, or <laughs> her much-loved alien guy. But no, yeah. here it's straight up, Peanut Hamper is just a selfish a-hole through and through. <laughs> and it's hard not to love that. Yeah. I agree. It's tough to have a an episode that it it take, it takes a chance, right? It's do, it's doing something new and, and interesting in a show that only has 10 episodes a season. It's trying to see how much he can get out of the peanut hamper experience. <laughs> Was it as good as a standard episode? I personally don't think so. It had some good gags in it like you said. Um I think it, it it the the really funny part is when she actually betrays everyone in front of the Cerritos crew like you <laughs> said already and also it functions to set up the evil AI episode yes evil AI yeah. yeah yeah and I don't know like I feel like it if it was a mainline series episode you know live action right. it's taken seriously uh, so, you know, the gags are pulled and, you know, the final reveal of, you know, and the less weird robot bird alien love <laughs> thing. I feel like if, if all of that was toned down and made serious, it could actually be a decent episode. Yeah. And it does have some funny moments, but overall, as an episode, it's not one I'm going to come back to. Yeah. I think it's it's set up, right? And, you know, like I said, it, it takes a chance did it pay off? Uh, sort of, but you know, I think we'll hopefully see uh, more of Peanut. I I wouldn't say it diminishes the Peanut Hamper character. I think she, it's still funny, but it's gonna she's gonna work better in the whatever you, the opposite of the Avengers come together for all the villains. Yes. What's it called when all the bad guys come together? I have no it's like idea. Like the anti Avengers, something I, like that. You know what I'm uh, talking about? No, I don't. <laughs> Who does really? Uh, let's pop over to cameos this season. Oh boy! Of which there are many. Apparently, yeah, there I are didn't notice of this any of these. I had no idea. You know, this show has broken my brain because now I'm focused on inane details. And I'm going to list off some cameos here. We get James Cromwell doing the Zephyr Cochran. So and was that actually James Com- Cromwell? It was indeed. Yeah, wow. it was. doing that, a little voice. Yeah, over. yeah. They didn't need to do that, but uh, they did. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. He gets to be on the uh, the PA system, I think. Yeah. Like, whoa, well, an undiscovered car, whatever he says there. You know, yeah, and then the, the hologram that's piloting the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. That yes, they suborn right. to take control of the Phoenix. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what, if the guy that they leave the Phoenix to and decides he's going to go off into space on his own, if he doesn't come back, I'm going to be very sad. <laughs> he gets arrested. You know what? Maybe he's like the Nick Fury that brings together all the evil AIs. He's the one that breaks into the Daystrom and but that doesn't make that. any sense. Does this show make sense all the time? I ask you. Seventy nine point two percent of the time. <laughs> wow, there's that mathematical uh, analysis we were talking about before. All right, anyway, moving on. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> we're getting off track here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've got JG Hertzler doing Computer Martok, the D and D game in uh, Least Dangerous Game, who always overacts everything. Fantastic! It was amazing. <laughs> 
And I love the fact that he's the one who, you know, convinces Boimler to, like, stand up for himself and become the hunter. And yeah. that immediately gets him killed. <laughs> it's it's classic. It's a oh, classic. It's you know, this is not his first cameo either. He was the uh, one of the alien captains, too. The, yeah, uh, the, 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 guys. the Drukmani scavengers. The Drukmani, um, yes, exactly. But was that this season that he played the Drukmani? I think that was, was last that a previous season. one. Yeah. yeah, I think last season was that. I feel like you're yeah. correct. He's he's doing a good job doing the random uh, cameos. I, yeah, I like maybe his, maybe uh, he'll come back as working. the Drukmani scavenger because it looks like they uh, recovered Badgie at the end of one of the episodes. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, more interestingly, or arguably, it was hard to top J.G. Hertzler, uh, but Susan Gibney. And if you don't know who that is, she was the actress who played Leah Brahms in uh, Next Gen. At least I'm not sure if she's yep. in DS9 or not, but she actually reprises her character in Mining the Minds Minds. Yes. Did you know that? That was yeah. the actual actress? I did That's not crazy. know that. That she was Rutherford's fantasy. Can you blame him? <laughs> yeah, you know, Rutherford taking the LaForge fantasy yeah. a little bit too far. Well, yeah. you know, at least in his point, Rutherford. it wasn't like he chose to make a creepy holodeck fantasy. It was just like, yeah, he's into <laughs> Leah Brahms. And... Yeah. It suits Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just try not to think about that TNG episode with her in it, and you'll be fine. Well, you know, I mean, I try and think about that TNG episode all the time. Makes me feel a little less awkward in my own life. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's fair. That's good strategy. We've also got the Not Visitor and Armin Shimmerman playing Kira and Quark in Here I'll Trust Nothing. Yeah, you know, it was weird. Like, I'm wondering if maybe it's just, you know, time has passed since the end of DS9. Yeah. Um, and voice yeah. acting is very different than, you know, acting, like, live on a stage. So... Although I loved her interactions mm. with Shax. Um, they were fantastic. Oh, yeah. You know, anytime you have, like, the canon character that's making the uh, reappearance, your your brain's trying to consolidate, like, the new appearance of the, of the character with the voice that's familiar. So there's going to be some incongruity there. But anyway, they do appear in the episode. It's very much in your face. So everyone that's listening to this probably already knew that. So Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, like, the, <laughs> the anchors of that episode. Um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. I do love her interactions with Shax, just just yeah. fantastic from from yeah, beginning really to end. Uh, we also get Jeffrey Combs reprising Agamus at the end of Mathematically Perfect. Wonderful Redemption. sign that we'll get we'll get more of Agamus and <laughs> hopefully an evil AI arc. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> pretty obviously telegraphed. So that's definitely coming at some point. We also get some George Decay. He uh, yeah. reprises Captain Sulu in Crisis Point Two. The horsey is going to bite you now. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, man. No, we're in Idaho. Um, but yeah, that was good. His whole, like, his performance, you know, the writing was just fantastic. Oh, man, it was so good. I just... Yeah. One of the top ten scenes. You know what, though? This is this is Crisis Point again. Crisis yeah. Point 2 is just so good. Like, all of my favorite <laughs> moments are from Crisis Point. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about favorite moments coming up. But let's move on. The, we've also got a fellow by the name of Carlos, uh, let's see if I can pronounce his name right, Al- Rocky. Um, and if you don't know who that is, um, he plays Admiral Bonomigo. But the interesting thing about him is that uh, you might also know him from uh, Deputy James Garcia on Reno 911. Um, he's done a ton of voice acting, so that's, I'm sure, why he got this job. He's I very did not realize he was on Reno 911. I didn't realize yeah. he was that guy. That is uh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, interesting. But the real interesting part is that his daughter, uh, Riley, Alizraki, 
Uh, she plays Rock Talk on Prodigy. So they're kind of a family oh, of Star so Trek family, voice actors at this yeah, point. Family. Kind of fun. But I guess yeah. we won't be saying much more of Admiral Buenamigo. Yeah, he's kind of dead, so that'd be tough. No, I mean, maybe he shows up in uh, Rutherford. Yeah, maybe yeah. Rutherford has some more uh, recovering memories. Maybe or... he had a backup transporter that beamed him off at the last moment. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and it's all a. Uh, oh, it's like you've watched misdirect. Star Trek before. Yeah, you know, yeah. well, I mean, anybody who's like read or watched anything realizes that these people aren't real people, so you can just do whatever you want. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Come out up on the comic book level. You can, you can uh, torture them for an entire episode and have no long lasting repercussions. <laughs> wow, I like, I watched O'Brien too. Sometimes I wish I was a fictional character. Oh. Sad. Okay, anyway. who else we got? <laughs> uh, last but not least, uh, we've got Gabrielle Ruiz. Um, so she plays uh, both Castro, the character who holds the salon, and yeah, with the you know her her friends and Tolin. Yeah. Um, and you know the crazy thing about this is because, as we all know, Tolin shows up at the end of the last episode. Worst bit of fan service ever. I'm hoping Tolin yeah. leaves in the middle of the first episode, just as like a big middle <laughs> finger to the fans. Um, I'm okay with this. Yeah, this show is about giving the middle finger the fact, to the fans. I love the fact that I'm I'm a fan of the show, and I'm always like, yeah, I hope they really give the fans the business. I, I really hope Mike hope... McMahon really tells me to fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> like that's. I feel like you got some masochism issues. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, maybe I should maybe I should schedule. Some... <laughs> Some time with the ship's counselor. Get some of them free yes. metaphors. <laughs> yeah, Meglimo is totally going to be able to help you. I'm very certain of that. Oh my god! <laughs> but I'm wondering if we're going to get a a scene of uh, Gabrielle talking to Gabrielle. If uh, there's a Talin and Castro, Castro scene, together. I hope that there I is. I hope for those, and I yeah. hope that they like hate each other. Wouldn't take that much. Yeah, they're both out of control. Oh man. That 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 nonsense is amazing. Yeah. But anyway, quite a list of cameos. Uh, it's only ten episodes. To have that many crazy cameos going on is always uh, fun to see. So. Well, I mean, it was only ten, and there was ten episodes, so you know. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, what? it's very congruous. Yeah, I, sh- I would say. Makes sense. No. Do you? Well, let's talk. Let's pull the camera back a little bit. We're we're talking about favorite characters in our last our last season recap. And I'm wondering if your opinion has changed of your favorite character since season two. Has season three changed your opinion on anyone, or is Ransom still still your go-to man? Oh man, Ransom—he just got better this season. You know, when when he saves uh, Billups and Rutherford with his, you know, uh, impeccable lava tubes. Yeah. You know, his being concerned about Boimler's well-being. You know, he just—he comes across really great. His, you know, taking the time in a crisis situation. To ensure that everybody is prepared for the coming struggles by teaching them how right. to sit in a chair properly. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably my favorite joke of the entire season. Oh, man, season. it's definitely up there. We're getting out of ourselves, but yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'd say that Ransom is less of a jokey joke. I mean, he, he has jokes too, but I mean, he's he's like the good, the good CEO in this season too. I know, and right? He's, Mr. Starfleet, like that's what? your that's what you liked about him. That's right? what I liked about him, right? Even though he's yeah. oftentimes silly and he's you know working out obsessively and all that stuff, right? Is this nothing? I mean, like he's he's still the good officer, right? And they show that really yeah. well in this season. So you're sticking with him then? 
That's yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, have you abandoned Rutherford yet? Have you realized that? <laughs> Not he at all. The, uh, no. the fourth wheel on the warp core four. <laughs> I mean, he might be. He didn't get that much focus aside from his episode that was a lot about him. But um, I'm sticking to my guns. I'm yeah. glad that we're consistent. I- I'm joking. I do like Rutherford. You know, it, one of the interesting thing about Rutherford's arc or story, because like the whole thing is like this entire season hinges on Rutherford, right? He's right. the important character. And I noticed something interesting on the rewatch that I never noticed before. When they're having the fantasy in his mind space race. Yeah. When Rutherford, uh, Rude Rutherford's ship, when he gets into the cockpit, in the background you can see on one of the screens, it's the M5 screen. It's right. the lines. I never yeah. noticed that before. That is so yeah. cool. They're they're paving the way for the uh, AI uh, Texas cloud. Yeah, it was it was good. You know, it it works into the arc, and then like it doubly works into the arc. And I love yeah. the idea that it's eventually revealed that the problem that went wrong for Rutherford, we always assumed it was an engineering issue, but it was actually an AI issue that went wrong. Yeah. It's pretty solid. And, you know, we touched on this already, but let's go straight to. Do you have any favorite gags uh, of this season? I have a top three. But I'm wondering if you have any any that jump out at you as like the best jokes of this entire season. Ah, let's see. You know what? Crisis point. Okay, so going back to Rutherford for a minute. Oh man, mm-hmm. maybe become a Rutherford fan point. <laughs> Fanboy. Did you notice that like after reflections? Um, which is the episode, it's the job fair episode, but it's also where right. Rutherford encounters his past self. Right. Even though they didn't merge personalities, Rutherford is a little bit more boisterous after that. And it's like is a he? running thing. So like, in Here All Trust Nothing, he's way on board for the Orion Pirate. And it goes beyond just his normal cluelessness. He's just way like cheering on all these ridiculous things that this Orion Pirate guy is doing, Right. Right. In uh, Crisis Point, he's just, like, totally making fun of everything the whole way through, right? He does the raspberry when, you know, between the when the <laughs> credits end. Yeah. He's like, whoa, these graphics are mind-blowing when they're not. <laughs> the gotta have yeah. chips bit. Oh, it's just... <laughs> yeah, a lot of Crisis ch- Point, he's, uh, he's all over the place, too. I think you're right. There is something but, new there. And I, I just feel like, in, uh, like for instance, in the last two episodes, you know, Trusted Sources and the Stars at Night. Yeah. He's very obsessed with the AI and how cool it is, how right. cool the Texas class is. It's just, that's more traditional Rutherford, but like the way right. he goes about it, right, is just, mm. I feel like he's kind of brought back some of those old Rutherford traits, possibly. Oh, uh, yeah. So you think that's like one of the best, the better gags of the season is him no, I mean, bringing back the just Rutherford being rude throughout the season is is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's there's tons of great gags. Though. What are your favorite gags? I've so I've got the top three. The first up is in Room for Growth when Phillips and the rest of his engineers are overworked, and he gets a little stressed out, and he he goes right into Shax's arms, and then he gives a little spiky smack across the face. The little, the little sad, weak smack across the face. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Another Shaxx involved joke. Ejecting the work core, man. That oh, was my the God. Be- the whole build-up to that as he's, like, running through yeah. and everybody's cheering for him. You know what the best part is? There's kind of, like, a lead into this because previously in the season, Shaxx, they see asteroids incoming in one of the episodes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Shaxx is all like, should I shoot them with the phasers? And <laughs> right. 
And Ransom's all like, no, dude, that's why we have deflectors. Use deflector. Yeah. Shax right. is so disappointed. <laughs> you know, the man gets gets what he wants at the end of like the tail end yeah. of the season. He, gets he finally to gets to eject the warp core. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you so think good. Billups would be like a little sad about having to eject the giant warp core, but you know what? He's right there with him. Well, and you know, they, they turn the key together. Starfleet officers support each other. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's another option. Um, my final option is we talked about Ransom giving the uh, so they're doing the whole like build up to like yeah we're gonna beat the Texas class and like every department is doing their old training thing and Ransom is he's got all the command officers yeah. in a room and he's like this is how you do this you raise your leg over the back and you just <laughs> ram your butt right down into it it's just oh it's so good <laughs> and this is another example and another thing I freaking love about this show is that I've always been kind of like ever, ever since I was a teenager like or even before watching the show I always loved the command division concept and this is another example of the lower decks showing what the uh, command division people do they kind of it kind of just gets forgotten by a lot of the rest of Star Trek but you know lower decks is not afraid to show like the command officers doing their training things yeah well it's I mean except I really for the fact that that was played for laughs in that scene <laughs> shut up no it's uh yeah no you're you're right but i mean it, it's they're still showing what are some other examples like the the command crew the command ensigns getting together to learn how to command better just creating that as a concept and maintaining it through this gag even the gag scenes it's a joke but they're still you know command officers doing command things yep something i really appreciate but i love so. the fact that that's their pre- preparation for the big event you gotta you gotta be authoritative when you step in that chair man Yes. Those are my favorite jokes. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of them in this season. The worst part is when you started talking, I remember there was one in uh, The Stars at Night that I really liked. And okay. now I can't remember what it was. So thanks oh, a lot, no. buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah. You're welcome. Oh, man. I'm here to help. Did you have a favorite episode this season? You know what? Oh, man. There's so many that are good. Uh, Reflections is definitely up there. Like, I love the whole booth arc and, you know, Boimler's final breakdown where he goes nuts on all the other booths. <laughs> It's just hilarious. The breaking the pencil, uh, yeah, is pretty solid. Rude Rutherford uh, from that episode. Oh, yeah. The fact mm-hmm. that he calls out that putting engineering all the way down between the warp nacelles is dumb. <laughs> it's just who it's would so do good. that? That's stupid. Yeah, but you know what? That was great. I, I gotta, I gotta go with Crisis Point. It's, it's so really? good. Yeah, yeah, Crisis Point too. There's so much I love about this, and I've talked about it like ad nauseum at this point. Nicknack, my favorite character from this season. <laughs> I, I hope he comes back in Crisis Point Three. Nicknack. Yes, Nicknack. What did I say? Nicknack. Okay. I'm just. If that's how okay. he says. You're just okay. Because that's one of the gags. Is they keep <laughs> mispronouncing his name, and he has to correct them. <laughs> yeah. I love the so fact good. though that it's like the Warp Core Four are basically a terrible D and D party. <laughs> uh, Rutherford just won't right. take anything even remotely no. seriously. No. Boimler decides to just totally split the party because he's having a bad day. Tendy takes it way too seriously. Like yeah. Mariner's Mariner is the voice of reason in this episode, <laughs> which is just fantastic. Yeah, I never oh, thought man. of it like that. You're yeah, right. all the gags, the the oh now he's gonna give a big speech and you know turn everybody around and then Boimler just starts beating the cultist guy in the face. He's like. Or we get James T. Kirk it. Oh, man. <laughs> just the episode is, like, it's got the best gags, the best moments. I just, I, I don't know. It's it's good. 
I've watched it like four or five times at this point. (laughs) You just put it on to just to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hard. Um, not to the, the big, big reveal at the end of what's going on with, you know, Boimler two. Right. Really hope they continue that story arc. And the best part is they, they immediately call out how much they all hate cliffhanger endings. Like, oh, yeah, at least it doesn't have a cliffhanger sing after the credits. And then, boom, they do it. It's great. Uh, I went with with the season finale, Stars at Night. Um, There's a certain, you know, fun quality about seeing all of the California-class ships show up at the end, even though I feel like the fact that they're all (laughs) in a a spot where they could respond to the crisis simultaneously, like, that was a little improbable, but... You know what? It was a feel-good ending, and the you know you can't say no to the AI thing. Yeah, I especially love his. Uh, what is it? Your heart will burn in a fire. Oh my god! I such a great guy. Your heart will burn in a fire. I do say that episode is so one missed opportunity where oh. like they're reading off all of the uh, California class ships that show up. Yeah, it would have been great if when he stopped, somebody said, "Hey, where's the?" And then they name one of the ships, and somebody yeah. looks at him like they're an idiot, like. Well, they can't all be within range, right? <laughs> that would have been a great gag. But I feel like yeah. it would have, you know, broken the momentum of that scene. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing, like we were talking about during the, um, when we did the recording of the episode about episode 10, there's a San Jose in there, and I can't uh, I can't say no to the USS San Jose. That's my, my hometown. Understand. Oh, oh, it's your hometown, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? When an El Paso, Illinois class ship shows up, um, <laughs> then we can be happy for my hometown. But okay. Somehow, I yeah. suspect that'll never happen because nobody knows my hometown exists. That's uh, that's a weird town. Just putting that out there. Ah, eh, whatever. It's a weird name for a town. Don't look it up. I don't want to be judged by where I'm from. <laughs> Oh okay. man, we've talked a lot about this season. Uh, what else is there? Is there more that you want to talk so about? I've got so much still to talk about, and we are yeah. way too far in. Okay, <laughs> where to begin? You know what? I feel like this this season was released out of order because in I think it's Room for Growth. Oh yeah, they talk about prepping for the mission with the Carlsbad, the the but that Man. mission yeah. happened in episode three. Yeah, like is that intentional? Right. And like I I want to go back and rewatch the episodes to see if there's other hints. That they're mm. out of order, but like it's weird. Like why? Yeah. But you know, maybe it's a separate mission. You know, but they never they never be. pay off on it, and it's very sad. Yeah. Probably missing something. Probably in like here, all trust nothing. When the uh, Cerritos is being rerouted, maybe they were on their way to a mission with the Carlsbad, and that's what they got rerouted from. Right. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. So there's that. Mining the mines, mimes. No, not mimes. <laughs> Mining some mimes. Miming the mins marn. Mining the min. I'll get it. Okay. <laughs> what? Attempt three. Who thought this? Minding the Mernus. Mine, 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 mine. Okay, there we go. Mine? In that episode, quiet you. So, like, the opening to that is really good. It's very like cinematic. Did you notice that? If it wasn't animated, like that would just be like a really solid opening for an actual mainline series. I mean, obviously they wouldn't do the whole speedy McWheels gag and they probably wouldn't do like it's his, you know, uh, seventh grade teacher. It would probably be, you know, some lost love from his past. But like, man, 
like just the visuals, the staging, everything was just so solid. I was like just blown away by the care that was put into creating that gag. Like, wow, what the hell? Isn't that the cold open and then the premise is resolved before you we get back from the opening credits? Yes, because the whole the whole gag is that it turns out there's no right. conflict at all and they're just right. scamming Starfleet. Right. Also in that episode though, did you notice that when the admiral shows up, that is Boimler's fantasy? Like yeah. it's just some unnamed admiral. Like he's always yeah, name dropping famous people. Like yeah. why? And then I thought about it, I'm like, dude, because it's all about Boimler. Boimler's fantasy is mm. to be the important person. He doesn't want to be overshadowed by Admiral Picard or Janeway. Yeah. He's the right. big important guy. Yeah, I remember um, with the uh, the episode with the other command ensigns where they're all just focused on emulating people and he's like, you got to be yeah. your own man. Yeah. He's totally he in line with that. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm not talking out my ass right now. <laughs> just talking out of some root beer. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. There's just so much in this season that I could talk about till the end of the uh, Earth. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't perfect. Um, as we mentioned, yeah. we weren't really big fans of uh, uh, perfect, a mathematically perfect redemption. But, you know, yeah. I, I think there's one really huge flaw that I have or found in this season, and it's like right from the get-go. And you know what? I just, I it's it, it breaks the suspension of disbelief for me. In the mm. beginning, when Mariner throws a potted plant at the screens in her father's apartment. Right. I refuse to accept that hundreds of years in the future, they still have TVs you can break by lobbing a Wii remote at them. Come on, man. <laughs> like, we're already getting to the point where we have that technology of, you know, bendable screens now. Why the hell are they still shattering in the future? I call bullshit. It ruined the whole season for me. Just <laughs> the entire season was ruined. Yeah, enjoyment went from twelve all the way down to four. <laughs> Do you remember? Were you get really upset in that toss episode where Spock gets upset and like punches the computer and like completely like destroys the computer by punching a hole in it? Well, no, because they had established that Spock is super strong. If it had been like you know Chekhov, then I would have been like, "Come on, man." <laughs> That's garbage. Oh, okay. It's okay if Spock does it. Yeah, because he has super strength. Yeah, makes sense. Because, you know, Vulcans are just a random hodgepodge of alien abilities without any thought of why they evolved that way. <laughs> Someone didn't watch Enterprise. Uh, wait, they couldn't have watched Enterprise before TOS because Enterprise came out after TOS. I've had enough of your logic. Anyway, what else do you have? Anything else? No. Uh, I like that they finally have the reveal of the secret to Boimler's hair color. Oh, yes. What a reveal. Yeah. Oh, also, fuck you that know, reveal. You know what the best part of that reveal was? What? It proved you wrong. It's terrible. And that is the most important thing for me. I've got the headcanon going on that he's part Catullin and nothing. My man could drop by my house and tell me you're, that I'm wrong. And I would say, get the fuck out of my house. What if what if they did an entire episode there. about how he's not Catullin? What if what if That's they showed specific. what if they showed his conception on screen? <laughs> what I'd if, say, uh, what wow, if they did a... what if they did a nine month 
episode. Like, from when it starts to when the episode ends last nine months, and it starts with his conception and ends with him being born, and we never have his mother off screen. Would you accept it then? I mean, obviously not. It's obviously a dream of episode. Well, I so. suppose you just have answers for everything then. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I'm not letting this one go. Okay. Oh, man. I think we've gone way too far off the rails. I Do think you have we anything have. else you want to talk no, about? No. I think we need to. Well, actually, no. A little piece of news that happened uh, after, you know, just recently um, as we're recording this. This show has been renewed for season five. So well, we've been I mean, at least five seasons of the show. I, I think we're going to get the full seven seasons in a movie you think out so? of this. Oh, yeah. Ooh, and a movie. And wow. a movie. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, me too. I look forward to seeing that movie. That movie's definitely going to happen. Seven seasons in a movie. Let's make this happen, people. Plus, we're getting the uh, the live action crossover in the. In, um, I'm I'm actually looking Stranger forward Wars. to this. Let's let's uh, yeah. hopefully it goes uh, well. We'll have to do an episode about it. When yeah, does that come I think out? So. I think we will next month. I think it's next after? season. Yeah, and a few in a few uh, months. Yeah, I can't wait that it's long. It's coming soon. Stavros, talk uh, to the um, people. Get it out sooner. Yeah, I'll I'll get right on that. I'll tweet uh, whoever we needs to be tweeted. I, I know you've got connections. I mean, they're not to anybody that works on Star Trek, but you've got connections. No. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. Okay, then we need to we need to end this episode somewhere. Yeah, so you yes, know what? Here's yeah. just as good as anybody. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that that's a bit uh, much. But you know, what? we'll do this again after uh, season four is over. I mean, like specifically we'll do a season recap after season four uh yeah that's not going to be our next episode though because between now and then we're going to have a whole episode no season of episodes that we're going to talk about and we'll do we'll do shows about those probably and then we'll also have like you know some other stuff we'll talk about like we got ships to talk about we got totally I can't remember what else we got on the agenda. I'm yeah, not we got we got a request for cold opens. We yeah, all right. We're gonna rate cold opens. That. That's a great yeah. idea. That's a terrible idea. We're gonna oh We're boy. probably gonna try it. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to drink something cold for that. But <laughs> I think so. Until then, you can, as always, check us out on Twitter at Lower Dorks. Or if you're so inclined, you can cyberstalk us until we cover whatever your favorite topic might happen to be. Even if it's something terrible, mm-hmm. like how Brad Boimler might actually be part Catullan. I'm not letting that go, by the way. You will, and you will like it. 